Hello, I'm Leah Householder. I'm a leader on our technology and data science team at Cineos Health. One critical part of my job is our annual trends report. It gives me the unique opportunity to talk with hundreds of experts who work on the front lines of healthcare around the world and interrogate the latest data and technology to not only anticipate change, but to influence it, to know it, to be more prepared when it arrives. 2023 will be a year of renewal and reimagining. After the last few years, our senses are sharpened around what we need to learn. Let's learn together. Welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast 2023 Health Trends Edition. Let's get started. Sam Wilson, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Will you start by telling us a little bit about your role in the company as well as your goals and aspirations as a leader in APAC? Great question. I'm happy to be here and on the podcast. So I lead up the commercial solutions business for APAC, for Cineos Health. I've been in the role for a little over 18 months and really enjoying being part of that great team and leading the organization in the region, an important growing region for Cineos Health. What are your major focuses for 2023? What are you thinking about? Yeah, I think the key for us is to be thinking about the changing customer needs that we see in the region, very diverse region across the different markets that we're focused on, very different customer needs and at different points of their development and changing market dynamics. So the chapter of the trends report we decided to talk about together today was about the improved sophistication and retention. So thinking about not only our own employees and teams, but also thinking about what the healthcare industry in general is up against in terms of recruitment and retention. So I know this is a theme that resonates in markets like China, Korea, Japan, particularly. When you think about those markets where we're watching the job market be incredibly competitive, what do you think that big picture looks like in terms of hiring, recruiting, and retention Mm -hmm. in that area? Talent for us is a critical business need. We're finding it increasingly difficult as some of the roles are changing in the market for our field teams, for example, a shift and quite an abrupt shift to being forced to engage remotely mm-hmm. and digitally, which are very different dynamics that wouldn't have always been the case in Japan in particular. So during the COVID pandemic, there was an immediate need for our clients to shift to that digital remote engagement, and we needed to be able to be nimble enough to do that ourselves and getting the talent and those capabilities right was and is continuing to be a challenge for us in the region. You know, I talked with our colleague Ewan not so long ago, earlier this year, about the talent market in Europe. Mm -hmm. And what we were looking at was something like 73% of physician field relationships are now field calls are in person again, Mm -hmm. and how that's really changed the dynamic. But it's also changed the expectation for the quality and value of each of those calls. Are you seeing similar? Seeing similar things. We've seen that shift back for some types of engagement, back to -to face-to-face. I would say that the COVID situation in Asia has been a little bit slower to move through the, the pandemic. So we haven't seen as much of that shift back. And also just some conservatism around management of the pandemic in the region, I think, has meant that the region isn't quite probably at that point versus some other markets, but we are having increasing conversations with our clients around a more sophisticated approach to that combined face-to-face digital engagements and thinking about what's the right segmentation of customers and matching those interactions to different needs, be that at different points in the product launch cycle or for different physician segments, the specialty segment in particular 
is a growing area for us in the region. Those KOLs have very different needs and expectations in terms of the engagements that they have with reps and MSLs and other field teams that we deploy. So are those the elements, if you were to make a bit of a recipe for what the right kind of engagement looks like today, it's the segment, Mm -hmm. the customer preference? Mm -hmm. Did I miss one? And I guess the, the needs. But, yeah, where the, where the product and the, yeah, co- the exactly. patient is right then. I exactly. understand. Yeah, that makes sense. So you were mentioning, and it, it makes sense for my next question, that many countries in APAC never saw something like the great resignation that we saw in the U.S., where just many people, nurses, healthcare professionals, everyday people like us, left their roles to consider a different type of life, a different kind of career. What are some of the important lessons you've learned in Mm -hmm. APAC about what did happen or what is continuing to happen Mm -hmm. as we work through COVID and we work through a new way of life together? I think we do see regional differences. And again, within the markets in the APAC region as well, very different sort of approaches from teams and talent to this question that you raise. I think in some markets, still very traditional reluctance to change roles, particularly those longer term employees who've have the view company for life kind of very embedded oh, of in course. the organization, particularly in markets such as Japan. In other markets with the growth in China, for example, very strong talent demand and very quick churn in terms of some of those roles and talent. So again, thinking on different strategies to attract and mm-hmm. retain the talent by market is a critical challenge for us in the region. And are your customers comfortable with making those shifts? What we do in one region is different than what we do in another? I think increasingly it's been demonstrated that if you don't do that, then there will be challenges. So we're seeing more appetite and willingness to understand the region and the different markets and to be a bit more thoughtful around the strategy and the execution when it comes to talent. So there was one U.S.-centric example that I wanted to bring up to you. It's always terrible when the U.S. people bring up (laughs) U.S.-centric examples. But I thought it just might start some thinking. So for years in frontline healthcare spaces, employers have been battling workforce burnout, decisions by nurses particularly to exit their chosen professions. Sometimes that opens opportunities for other kinds of employers, like thinking telehealth, different kinds of businesses. But we're really watching some highly trained medical professionals in North America finding they'd rather work for clinical or commercial teams at places like Cineos versus necessarily be on the front line of healthcare every day. And I was just curious because I know you spend so much time talking with employers, sitting on the front line. If you see anything in China, India, Korea, Japan, that mirrors that thought of the healthcare profession taking you across different parts of industry. That's a great question. Very interesting perspectives. I think, again, the answer varies by market. We do see very capable talent in the medical space across the region. And I think with the growing emergence of medical affairs, increasing need to have more sophisticated conversations with KOLs, physicians around products, that skill set with the right transitional support, coaching, training is something that we're seeing more interest from in the market. Again, quite a large base of medical professionals, particularly in markets such as Japan and China that bring those 
technical skills to the role. Mm -hmm. I think in other markets, we don't see that as much. For example, Australia, still very much that professional environment in terms of the medical professional space. So I think it varies a little bit by market, by the underlying packages and compensation that can be earned in the different markets as well. I think we look at Japan, the salary and packages of medical professionals can be on the lower side relative to other benchmarks in the region. Mm-hmm. So changing roles and the risk profile associated with that or some of the competitive offers that can be made in the commercial space are increasingly attractive to those medical professionals. I would say the other trend we see is an increasing appreciation of flexibility of work. I think with some of the field teams that we deploy in the deployment solutions business, Working Mothers is a great example in the APAC region where historically there's been challenges from a cultural perspective in terms of creating roles and opportunities for female medical representatives and or MSLs. So we see that dynamic starting to evolve with the the flexible inside sales teams, for example, or as we spoke about earlier, the remote field Mm -hmm. teams that creates new opportunities for that flexibility in the work environment. You know, I've been fascinated watching the change in telehealth that's been going on throughout the world. And those roles that were once anybody who will raise their hand, come start tomorrow. They're now the most competitive employment situations on the market. And I'm thinking particularly in China, if you wanted that flexibility as a healthcare professional, you can do telehealth direct to someone's home or into a kiosk that's at their workplace or into a pop-up that's in their neighborhood. There's so many different options that are going on. You have the sense that healthcare professionals are choosing that optionality in their careers? versus necessarily going down the path that maybe they thought they would be when they were in medical school? I think some of the younger medical professionals are definitely pausing and considering those roles and those opportunities. And then, as I said, I think for female medical professionals, again, starting to think around that telehealth ways where they can effectively take those skills to the market and deliver that. I guess it's also policy-driven with the China Healthcare 2035 policy focused around getting that telehealth out there, getting healthcare to the masses across the wide dispersed geography that it's China. All right, Sam, are you up for a funny question? Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching a lot of the different programs that companies have been putting out to take care of frontline healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. How can you just give them a break, some peace when there's a moment of extreme crisis or urgent need. And some companies, AT&T is one of them, they've basically built programs to bring dogs, like emotional support dogs, Mm. into emergency situations to take care of frontline healthcare workers. I wonder what you think about it. Like, I wonder what you think about, it's a really difficult job. Mm. And in this environment that we live in and work in today, emotions are so heightened. What do you think about different organizations trying things as ridiculous as bringing a puppy to work in order to create some peace in a difficult time? I think I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it needs to be one specific way. Again, thinking about the culture of that organization, what that might mean for the employees, and I guess create an environment where people can feel that purpose, that personalized purpose. And if that means a dog can help with that, then I'd be for that. But it may be other things that can be done at the same time. Okay, Sam, so one of the things that we are definitely most excited about this year is how rapid changes in technology are set to bring real aspiration back to the field of medicine to make it that career you can't wait to be a part of again. So these are professionals who I think have gotten 
used to working in an environment where they have to execute care based on policies, based on algorithms. And they're once again going to have this opportunity, this possibility of exploring science. And I kind of think about it as joining medicine is like going to NASA. There's so many incredible things going on from being able to potentially end chronic disease to creating and printing new organs, all these incredible things that are going on that are set to make healthcare the next forefront of what technology and change can do for people. I guess as we close out our time today, I wonder, wonder what you think about. And if you hear young people in your region thinking about healthcare differently than maybe their moms and dads who are also mm. doctors do. I think so. I think there's big need for purpose in individuals roles and the work environment that they're participating in now. And I feel healthcare, as you mentioned, the changes that are happening in the space, the ability to impact on patients and their families and improve their situation. I think for a lot of the younger people in Asia, that's something that delivers purpose and I think is helpful to themselves, but also to the patients and their families, as I said. Very nice. Well, it's been incredible talking to you. I know you flew a long way to talk to me. I did, 19 <laughs> hours, but it's good to be here. <laughs> Is there anything else you want our colleagues and clients to know about thinking about retention in the year ahead? I think just be very thoughtful, segment, market, geography Absolutely. driven. I think with anything in APAC, it's very important to have that customized approach that is specific to the market needs and nuances. That's all for today's episode of the Sineos Health Podcast. To learn more about our 2021 health trends, visit trends.health. Or if you have comments, suggestions, ideas, or just want to talk about a particular challenge at your life sciences company, please email us at podcast at I've been your host, Leah Householder, and we'll talk more again next time.